Hey, it's Jordan Johnson, and you are listening to The Grove Podcast. Today is a great day because we have our very own Emily Vogeltans sitting down with the infectiously joyful Jess Connolly. If you don't yet know Jess, you're going to feel like she's one of your absolute favorite friends by the end of this episode. Jess and her husband, Nick, are church planners in Charleston, South Carolina, where they serve the folks of Bright City Church. Jess is also a speaker and author and heads up a collective of women called Go and Tell Gals, whose mission is equipping other women to use their gifts for the glory of God and the good of others. Today, Emily and Jess come around our four anchors of the grove, which are rooted, flourish, freedom, and shade, and how they intersect at all seasons of life. We trust you'll be encouraged. So here is Emily Vogeltans with Jess Connolly. Hey, welcome to the Grove Podcast. Um, This is Emily Vogeltans, and I'm so excited because today I'm sitting here with my friend Jess Conley. So fun. How are you doing today? Great coffee date. Yeah, this, this was needed. This was needed. I can't wait for the conversation we're about to have. Uh, For our Grove friends out there that haven't met Jess before, she's an author and a speaker and a mom and a church builder and all the things. You just released a brand new book called The Girl for the Job. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Anything else that you do in life other than write books, teach people, build churches, raise your children? You know, overall awkward gal. (laughs) (laughs) Just trying to. I drink a lot of coffee. Amen to that. You know, those are what I. Those are the things I do. I love it. One of my favorite things about you, Jess, is that you're a learner. Mm. I feel like you're always. Um, you're very unpretentious oh. and and approachable, and I love that. I think we talked the first time a few years ago. You called me, or I called you. We didn't even know each other, uh-uh. and we just wanted to talk about women's ministry and. Yeah following Jesus and had the best conversation and our friendship kind of grew out of that. But I love how approachable you are and that you're always learning. You're always putting yourself out there and you're okay being incomplete on this journey. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds really exhausting to try to pretend that I am complete. (laughs) That's so true. Well, I think it's really refreshing. Um, And I love you came to the Grove just to hang out with us. Yeah. Um, this in our November Grove, and I love that you just showed up and wanted to come and worship with us. It's my treat to myself at the end of book tour. I love it. Such a gift. It's Such been a, gift. a whirlwind few weeks for you. Yeah, yeah, C- crazy few months, but excited to dig in and get some time with the Lord and get quiet again and then see what's next. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I like to think that you're a Grove girl, even though you live in Charleston. I, I say it is my second favorite place to worship, for sure. My church has first? to be number okay. one. You know, I mean. <laughs> you can't come every week and you're building a church yeah. in Charleston. Yeah. So I love that. I think you're a Grove girl, and um, I love that you show up sometimes. But around the Grove, we have um, four words that were kind of our anchors that we've mm-hmm. created. And I'd love to talk about those words because we talk about them from stage, yeah. um, and they they literally um, are kind of our roadmap at the Grove of what we hope our women will learn. But I also love talking to women and figure out how do they live out these words. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, our anchors at the Grove are the words rooted, that we want to be women who are rooted mm-hmm. in the Word of God, that we want to flourish where we're planted, mm-hmm. um, wherever that is, and flourish in the Lord. And then we want to be women of freedom because Christ came to make us free. And yeah. so we want to see women rise up and take a step towards freedom in their life. And then ultimately that we want our lives to be shade, 
We want people to not just be consumers of all this goodness of God, yeah. but to actually make that propel them forward yeah. to give their life away. So I love seeing how those words actually play out in people's lives. Yeah. So we'll just start with the first word, rooted. And Jess, when I think about you, I know you are a woman of the word. You love the Bible. You have I your Bible the right Bible. there beside you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Talk I love about the Bible. how you how are you rooted? Like what does that look like for you to be rooted yeah. in the word? I mean, you know, there's some physical power in taking your Bible with you wherever you go. I'll say that number I one. I agree. I have a friend, um, Rach Kincaid, who was the first person I knew who said, you know, I'm going to just take it with me. I'm going to just take it with me to the gym. I'm going to put it in my car. And that's a small, simple, logistical thing that yeah. isn't a deep, a deep, beautiful thought about being <laughs> rooted in God's word that helps me a ton. I just mm-hmm. take it where I go. Um but yeah, I love the Bible. I love the Bible. I, I remember the day after I got saved, I woke up the next morning and just could, couldn't get enough of it and wanted to read it and wanted to write down verses. I think it's crazy that the God of the universe that formed the mountains mm-hmm. and the Grand Canyon and clouds and tells the ocean where to stop also wrote us this incredible yes. letter and guidebook. Mm-hmm. And... And really riveting story. And I think when we stop thinking we have to read it or that we should read it or that we'll be better if we yeah. read it, we'll start to realize that maybe it's just really life-giving to read yeah. and really encouraging to be in. And so, yeah, being rooted for me looks like remembering every day that I don't have to read the Bible, but I get to read the Bible. Yeah. And that it's a really good path for me mm-hmm. to experience Him and draw near to Him and realize how near he has already drawn to me. But yeah, being rooted for me, life is crazy. It's wild. I mean, I know it's just wild for everyone. You don't Mm -hmm. ever meet anyone that says, you know, you're like, how's life? And they're like, really? It's underwhelming. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's overwhelming for almost all of us. Um, Being rooted for me looks like being alone a lot. Yeah. Being alone and being alone with God and being quiet with God. Is that hard for you to do? To like slow down and be quiet, it is really hard for me to. It is really hard for me to be quiet. I find I don't even want to speak like challenge where there isn't challenge. So I would say it should be really hard for me to be alone. I've got four kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my hands in two different jobs at all times, at least. Um, I've got a handful of employees and a really rowdy dog. But what I've found <laughs> is that I can be alone. Like I can be yeah. alone. Um, you I can get up it. an hour earlier than everybody this morning. My family came with me. Mm-hmm. We all came to be at the Grove last night and they didn't get to come to the Grove, though they would have really liked to. And uh, I, I just snuck out, you know, yeah. snuck out of the hotel room this morning. They were all sleeping in the same room. Just not be out. I, I went to the gym, not because I'm like a fitness buff, but because like slowly plodding on the treadmill and talking to God is a good place for me yeah. to start my day. Um, I love that. I think you're very disciplined, or at least that's what I perceive about you. It's like you've learned, like, hey, this is how I'm going to fight, and yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wake up early. I remember even you telling me about maybe it was your first book that you wrote that you wrote that in the fringe hours, like you yeah. would literally wake up early. You had a coffee pot in my bedroom, <laughs> in your bedroom. I do, and you fought for it. Yeah, like it's not just going to happen. Yeah, you actually have to choose that. Yeah, and again, to me, it goes back to when I would hear women in my early twenties or even in my teen years. I mean, shoot, 
even in my early 30s, when I would hear women talk about, you know, spending time with God, there was always this obligation and this mm-hmm. embitterment. Yeah. Um, like, it's just it's just what we should do. We should get up early. We should give God that time. And I, I totally feel that um, it is such a gift to give God that time. But something shifted in my heart a few years ago where I realized my life is better mm-hmm. <laughs> when I do this. Yeah. This is good for me. Yeah. This is good for me. And God has uniquely wired me to to love and to come alive in in quiet vibrant personal alone time with him. Yeah. So it's it's not always easy to get up that early but it is super worth it. Yeah. Um, but I also stay up late <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> the joke in our house is if I need time alone, um, I'll just stay up an hour later just to be alone. Mm-hmm. There's, I just think there's something powerful about knowing how, who he's made you to be and how he's wired you. So yeah. I, though I love people and I love being with people, I'm an extreme introvert. I mm. really recharge being alone. So sometimes that looks like just staying up an hour by myself to, to just be with God just alone. Yeah. Just sitting in the dark. You know, drinking some water, thinking through the day. Yeah. Instead of just staring at your phone or watching right. something else on Netflix, right. which is where a lot of us want to go. Right. We want to be consuming things instead of just sitting. Yeah. And consuming our God. Yeah. <laughs> who loves us. Yeah. And wants to talk with us. But you have to be still. You do. You have to be still. Or you have to be moving. I mean, you know, that's the other thing. I, I, I'm super into the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. You're into the Enneagram. A little bit? Yeah, ish. I have some thoughts about it. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Um, Well, my Enneagram type is um, an Enneagram 8, and we're very much in our bodies. Uh And so I experience God in my body a lot. Mm -hmm. So that's where I would say, like, even— exercising. Yeah, I think some people hear still, and they picture, like, soft blanket, cup of coffee, like, really sweet moment. And my time with God is not always sweet. Yeah. I'm not a real sweet girl. Yeah. So I it's like it. awkward and loud, yeah. Um, but it is alone. Yeah, yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, I do love the enneagram. We're not going to talk a lot about it, but oh, yeah, here's yeah. what the one thing I do like about it that makes me kind of settle with it is that I love that all the numbers are really just attributes of God. Come on. And I think that's the coolest part. It's yeah. not an excuse to live out life in no. certain ways because that's how who you are. But I think yeah. it's beautiful because it's really a picture of all these beautiful characteristics of God that have been stamped on us. So yeah. that's all I'll say about the Enneagram. <laughs> yeah. And I just love those little snippets where it frees people up. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not this way. And you're like, that's okay because if, if you may be this type, you may experience God in this way, and that's yeah. okay. That's yeah. beautiful and good. Yeah. there's It's all helpful. It's yeah. all good stuff. I also think being rooted in the church is really important, and you're a church girl. I'm a church girl. And I love that, a local church girl, and you are literally planting a church yeah. um, in Charleston. Um, talk about the power of being connected to a local church, because I think a lot of people sometimes— like I don't, I don't need that, or I don't want to be a part of that. Sure. But in your story, why is that important? Yeah, I'll say real words about that. Yeah. I, um, if you don't mind, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is what if we love God and if we believe in God and we believe that He's true, we got to love what He loves, mm-hmm. and He loves the church. That's right. And He says, "This is my bride. This is the church is going to sustain. The church is going to prevail." Yeah. 
the church is where I like to see my people grow. Mm-hmm. It's where I like for them to experience me and to experience one another. And God loves the church. Yeah. So when we say not loving things about the church, we're, we're talking about this beautiful treasure that he's created and uniquely equipped to grow believers. Yeah. So we got to get under that. Now, mm-hmm. the church is a mess. Yes. And everybody yeah. feels that. And yeah. and everybody's had bad experience with churches, which you and I both know. Guess what? Church leaders have experienced church abuse and church pain mm-hmm. just as much, yeah. you know, at the hand of the people we're leading or maybe under other people we've led under. We get it. Yeah. But you, for me, I get to this point where I say, God loves this thing. He's designed, designed it. Designed it, Yeah. For our good, for his glory, for the kingdom to move forward on mm-hmm. earth. So I've got an option to say I don't like it or I'm going to be a part of seeing it grow and shift and change. And I'm going to use what I've got to, to see it come to fruition the way yeah. he wants it to. At, at the, to play the, my part. To in play the story. my part the most I can, mm-hmm. the best I can. Yeah. Um, which means failing a lot, which means doing it wrong a lot, which means having to shift and change. But but we get to, mm-hmm. and he's enabled us to. And so I, I'll just say that for people who say they don't love the church, it's it's important for us to hold in our hearts that God does love the church. Yes. And so we're talking about his thing that he loves. But number two, if you don't love it or if you've experienced pain at the hands of it, A of all, he's so sad about that. He's yeah. so grieved about that. And he's given you an opportunity to be a part of shifting it and changing it for yeah. the better. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be the end of the story that it, you you didn't love it. Yeah. Um, so that's a little bit how I feel. I don't know. You know, I I was a freshman in college, and I and I I had had incredible experience experiences in church in high school, um, growing and growing in community, but I didn't think a ton about it. I just thought like, Mm -hmm. oh, church is something we do. I went to church my freshman year. All my friends were starting to get involved in campus ministries or other different ministries. And I almost went that route and um, I was dating this super cute guy at the time who ended up, you know, becoming my husband, thank God. Shoot. And he said one night, he was like, you know, we could do that. Like we could go do those ministries. Like we could go serve there. And he was like, I think I think the church might be the thing. Like, I think we might want to like hang there. And so we got involved in serving in a local church in college and then went on staff at that church and have gone on to help plant several churches and be a part of several churches and are now leading our own church. And I'll say we're almost seven years into it. This is the, this, we're about to start the beginning of our sixth year, actually, or the beginning of our seventh year. So celebrating our sixth birthday as a church and the coolest thing I've found about it is that when we throw off everything that culture tells us church could be or should be, it's really beautiful. Yeah. And so our church is, um, we say it's not mega, but it's mighty. That's good. You know, <laughs> we're working with about 80 people on a Sunday and, um, it's wild and it's wonderful and it's messy mm-hmm. And we're all growing. Yeah. And yeah. we're seeing Jesus shine in and amongst one another. And we're seeing Jesus shine in our neighbors as they come to know about him. And we're seeing Jesus shine in our city that is often very dark and heavy. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, I just, I love that God loves it. I love that even when it's messy and even when it's hard, he kind of picks us back up yeah. and says, like, let's try again. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it's where the best stuff happens. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. We say at Passion, we're like, we're a Jesus church. Yeah. And we are imperfect people, but thankfully Jesus is the perfect one. Right. And that's what we're showing up for. That's who we're worshiping. That's who we're serving. And so, yeah, it is messy. Yeah. It is messy, but it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's worth the investment. Yeah. And your city, your church is called Bright, Bright city, city, which yeah. is such a great name. Yeah. Just shining a light. In your city. We're having fun. I love it so much. All right. So you're rooted in the word. Mm-hmm. You're all about re- being rooted in the church. Yeah. Um, talk about flourishing. Flourishing as a mom because you're planted there. Mm-hmm. You're as a wife. Um, and maybe that's even, maybe even talk about calling because I know you're passionate about that. Knowing how to flourish wherever you're called. Yeah. Wherever. God places you because I think a lot of people, um, we we have a lot of people that just want to hop around and they're always moving and not planting somewhere. So talk yeah. about being planted because once you're planted, then you can be flourishing. I love that. So I'm going to open my Bible now. Come and on. here's the thing about the Bible is so I have horrible, horrible um, memory. I have like a, a terrible short-term memory. I can't me memorize too. scripture that makes for the life me of me. Feel better? Oh, I can't. Um, I mean, it's part of my story. You know, not to get dark or anything, but I did a lot of drugs before I met God. So that's what I'm working with. Just really bad short-term okay. memory. I didn't do drugs, but I still have a bad memory. <laughs> um, I've tried all the things. I've tried crossword puzzles. Like, I've, it's not it's not getting better. But here's the great thing about the Bible is if you read it every day, you don't have to memorize it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but so ideas get in my head, but I have to actually go to Scripture to know what they say. Um, so here's the thing about being rooted. Psalm 16.6 says, The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And when I think about being rooted— and flourishing, mm-hmm. I think about declaring that where I'm at, God is mighty. Mm-hmm. I think about agreeing that he's placed me where I'm at on purpose. Yeah. And this is the thing. Community is beautiful. Community is beautiful. Speaking life over one another is life-changing. Um, when we say to each other, you know, just um, God's mighty in you, or I can't wait to see what he's going to do in your life— That's incredible. But when we look down at our own feet, when we say the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, surely I have a delightful inheritance. When we declare that God's here, God's moving here, he's given us unique set of strengths and weaknesses and story that that he can do anything, that he will do anything, that he will use us. We Other people can speak life to us and we can speak life to one another. Mm-hmm. But when we look down at our own feet, everything changes. Yeah, And that's when flourishing happens, right? Mm-hmm. When we say like, it's good right here. And it's interesting in those four pillars of the grove, what I love is that y'all don't talk about them as if they're different seasons. Mm-mm. They all have to happen at yeah, once. Yeah. And so... Only we can say this for ourselves. Only we can say Psalm 16, 6 over our own lives. Only we can declare, you know, 2 Peter 2, 9, 1 Peter 2, 9, see, memory, um, you know, that we've been brought out of darkness into yeah. light. Um, 
we're the only ones who can speak that over our present day lives right now. And when we do, everything shifts because all of a sudden we see God as a God of abundance. We see him as a God of freedom. Mm -hmm. We see him as a God who's giving and not taking. We see him as a God of possibility. We see him with expectation rather than seeing the world in all these unmet expectations. And so, yeah, for me, that's what flourishing is about. It's about saying like right here in this season, even if it's hard, even with its unique set of challenges, God's here and he's moving. And mm-hmm. this is the dream. Yeah. I'm not I'm not building the dream. I'm not going after the dream. Um, the vision of my life is not that someday I will have arrived and I won't need him anymore. But right here, like everything's glittering and gold, even if I'm a stay-at-home mom changing diaper, diapers, or even if I'm sharing a cuticle with a cuticle, a cubicle. <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> Let's hope not. Even if I'm sharing a cubicle with yeah. someone who's obnoxious, or even if I'm unemployed, or even if I'm not sure what's next, I know that God's here. Mm-hmm. He's in my midst. The power of the Holy Spirit, the one that raised Jesus Christ from the, the dead is alive and active inside me. So that to me is what flourishing yeah, is. I love that because I think we get caught up in waiting for the next thing yeah. or it's, for some of us, it's getting caught up in what used to be yeah. instead of right where we are. And I think yeah. fear is a big killer of flourishing because you can't enjoy right where you are because you're trying to think through all the stuff that's coming. Right. Instead of just being, I think even for me, like in my 30s, which I'm in still right now, but just waking up and realizing, oh, this is life. Mm-hmm. This is where I am. This is kind of all a lot of the things I've dreamed of. I need to flourish right here. Yeah. I'm going to miss this moment. Yeah. You know, John Tyson, he says, fantasy is imagining the future without God hmm. in a great way. Anxiety is imagining the future without God in the worst way. And I love those phrases. Those Mm -hmm. help me a ton. And I was thinking on them the other day and talking with a friend, and I said, you know what? It's funny that you brought that up about the past. I also think regret to some degree is remembering the past without the gospel. Hmm. You know, yeah. So it's it's all of it. It's not it's not just like romanticizing or massively regretting the pains of our past. It's not it's and it's also not just fantasizing or fearing the future. Mm-hmm. It's all of it. It's it's remembering that he was in the past. He was there then. He's in the future, yeah. waiting on us. He he goes before. He's cleaning up the past and he's dealing with us in the yeah. present. It's just all good. And honestly, it's it's. A mindset shift that's so biblical and so kingdom-minded that changes everything. Because all of a sudden you realize, like, I win. I get God today. Yes. I get God today. I have the power of the Holy Spirit today. I have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today. I have a unique set of strengths and weaknesses today to serve Mm -hmm. other people. I am changing the world. You are changing the world. It's not an option anymore. We start our meetings at church saying like, let's change the world because we're going to one way or the other. It's going to be by putting out neutral vibes that Mm -hmm. don't shift anything and that maybe leave everybody a little discouraged. It's going to be through negativity or it's going to be through positive action empowered by the Holy Spirit. I love that. We, I love the saying, um, we say this a lot around here that we want to be, um, a thermostat, not a thermometer. So we want to either, if you walk in a space, change the temperature. Don't just say, "Mm, feels X, Y, or Z. Listen, Let's change it up. Let's let's lean into that. So We give out golden thermometers at our Christmas party at our church. It's called the Thermies. (laughs) 
That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. And when you when you start to flourish, you that's where you find freedom because all of a sudden you're okay where you are. Yeah. And you know you're confident in what God's created you for in that moment, knowing that there's more to come, mm-hmm. knowing that you're not perfect, that you haven't arrived, will never arrive fully right. this side of heaven. That is the beautiful journey of sanctification. Yeah. But you're free finally. Talk about the journey of freedom for you. Yeah. How much time do we have? Uh, yeah. How, which <laughs> which area? Um, you know, my story is interesting in that I met I met God at a pretty early age. I mean, I was fifteen when I when I decided like I'm in. And I um, I say that women are often women of destiny or women of eternity. Like they either see mm. the world kind of in this like I'm going to do great things or um, what they're going to build, or they can kind of see the world in a really black and white way. Like and leading up to me meeting Jesus, I I was a uh, I was a completely different human. So. Um, I was sullen. I was quiet. Mm. I was the world's biggest wallflower. I was the least likely to succeed or even really even be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like a middle child who was a low achiever, barely graduated high school, just kind of the girl you'd expect to be in the corner reading a book with an oversized jacket, like keeping to herself. And I also had this really intense view of eternity. Hmm. And I believed that God existed and I believed that heaven existed and hell existed. And I knew that I was going to hell, which was a really strange thing to feel Hmm. as a like 11, 12, 13 year old. Um, But I just knew like in my heart, like I I am not with God. I have not accepted Jesus as my savior. I believed that was a thing. Mm -hmm. And I would have these kind of long conversations with God anyways, just a really different kind of vibe than a lot of now what I realized, you know, a lot of people meet God in. And so I felt really trapped. I felt really trapped by my own inadequacy and by my own sin and my own proclivities. Even as a 15-year-old, I just knew I was really prone to addiction. I could feel mm. that in me, and I saw it in my life. Um, I knew that I really struggled with the approval of others and yeah. wanting approval from people. Um, and so, to be honest, for me, when I met Jesus, everything shifted in my soul, my desires, um, my affection for him, my belief in him, my ability to trust him, but I did not immediately feel free in all of those areas. And that took some wrestling. That mm-hmm. took a lot of wrestling um, with like, what's wrong with me? Because I don't, I still feel trapped and contained and chained to a lot of these things, wanting other people to like me or, you know, literal addictions um, and it took years and years and years for me to realize that the first step to experiencing freedom was to let a lot of that hit the light, mm-hmm. you know, to just bring it into the light, yeah. to just let the light hit it. I struggled with mental illness and um, actually in my in my late teens had two suicide attempts um, and never once I met my husband and started dating him, never told him any of that. And so I was maybe 24 with three small kids when I came to him and said, hey, my bad day is is not like a normal person's bad day. Wow. And I need to tell you now about all this stuff that's in my past mm-hmm. um, and in my present. And it was so painful. 
and mm-hmm. hard to let that hit the light yeah. um, with this person I love so much that I wanted to, to see me as um, good and whole and put mm-hmm. together. And um, so for me, freedom usually looks like it's got to hit the light. Yeah. It's got to hit the air. And now, by God's grace, um, uh, God's brought so many areas. He's brought healing to so many different areas. My my mental health, um, the different ad- addictions and afflictions I was struggling with. But now the cycle still lives there, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, feel shame, feel chained to something that isn't God want to hide it, it has to hit the light. Yeah. But now I've realized that that cycle can go a lot quicker. It can mm-hmm. be an hour-long process yeah. and not an eight-year-long process. Yeah. I can feel tempted towards something that is dark. I can even now really usually perceive the possibility to give my affection or my attention or my time or my devotion to that thing. Mm-hmm. And then I can feel this thrill of freedom yeah. when I confess it first to God and then to humans. Yeah. Because the enemy wants you to, to hide that. He yeah. wants us to be by ourselves and not let the light in. Yeah. He wants the curtain drawn. Right. And so, like, really practically, so I think women hear that and they're like, but how do you do that? Is is that for you? How do you bring it into light? Do you say it out loud? Do you confess it to a friend? Practically, what does that process yeah. look like for you so that it doesn't last years? Yeah. You know, number one, I think it's interesting. We're we're in such a beautiful season of vulnerability and transparency, and people mm-hmm. and people letting things out, and it's so good. I I I can get a little crazy and passionate and want to scream when I don't hear people acknowledge confessing to God first. Mm. So I have to say, like, I mean, first I've got yes. to tell God. And you know, here's how we know when someone's confessing to a human and not to God is that they don't experience release yeah. or relief. That's good. They feel exposed. They feel, you know, insecure about the thing, extremely so, or they don't feel the relief and the freedom from just confessing it. And that usually means we haven't just gone to God and said, like, hey, I got to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm repenting, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Repenting. Acts yeah. 3.19 and 3.20 says that repentance brings refreshment. Mm. Um, and I truly believe that. I, I truly believe just saying to God, like, I'm sorry. I said that thing. I did that thing. I wanted to say that thing. I wanted to do that thing. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Everything changes. Yeah. You know, everything shifts. So I think number one, like just confessing to God, it's as simple as that. Go on a walk around your block and say, hey, I wanted to do this thing and I'm really sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, I think just telling a human. So, I mean, practically, let's be super practical. Um, two weeks ago, I said to my husband, um, hey, I'm having a hard time with Netflix. Yeah. Like, don't don't laugh at home. I'm trying to give you like a calm one that will freak people out. But that's real. I was yeah. like, listen, I, I need some accountability and we got to talk about it. And he was like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want you to miss your life. Like, hmm. I don't want you to numb out. Um, and I was like, okay, like, can we make a plan together? You know? Yeah. Um, or going to a friend and saying like, hey, I want you to know I've already talked to God about this, but I need to tell another human I'm struggling with some feelings of insecurity mm-hmm. and I don't want that to hold me back. Yeah. Um, hey, I'm tempted to commit this sin. I'm tempted to step my foot into yeah. this into this water of rebellion or, um, you know, to wade back into this, this land of bondage that yeah. I know God set me free yeah. from. 
Yeah, because I think sometimes we do just we say it to a friend, but um, I think even as the friend, we need to be quick to say back to the person, "Well, let's pray about that right now." Or have you prayed about that? Right. Like push them towards that step. Don't just absorb it for them. Or um, because I think in some ways it can just become this glorified, or it feels like a like button, like you're pre- pressing the heart yeah. on Instagram of like, "Well, I did it. I said it." Right. But really confess it and right. move towards freedom. Right. Like take a step towards freedom. There's an action in that. Because the work gets done with God. Mm-hmm. The work gets done with yes. God. And the thing about the confession is that, number one, it, it brings some accountability mm-hmm. and it brings some power to what we're trying to move forward yeah. into. Like, hey, will you it's watch needed. this with me? Will you pray with me about this? It's humble. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But we're also inviting people to share in the future freedom that we're mm-hmm. going to experience like hey when i when this is over when i'm experiencing you know the abundance of having been obedient in this area i want you to celebrate with me i want to have somebody yeah. to celebrate with me yeah so but the work gets done with god yeah and and we know that because then even after we confess it let's say it's something we're wanting to do or not do or participate in it's just us and god mm-hmm. in in the quiet moments of obedience it's just us yeah. and god saying like, I believe that your power is in me. I believe that you will help me in this moment. I think you're better than whatever this thing is that I am tempted to be, you know, united with. Mm -hmm. I believe you're better. I believe your presence is better. I believe, I believe you're good. I believe all the things that are true about you. Um, that happens just with us and him. Yeah. I love that so much. That's so encouraging. And I love, it's just very practical, Mm -hmm. even just living out today. Yeah, because we all need we need to take that step. Yeah, towards freedom. And I love that once we are free, and we're walking out these beautiful lives that God wants and desires for us to have, it's not just for our own consumption. That at the end of the day, our lives are to be given away, and we call that shade at yeah. the grove. And I think you do a beautiful job giving your life away, and that looks a lot of different ways. It's as a mom. Mm-hmm. The minute you wake up, you're giving your life away, <laughs> helping yeah. feed and clothe and get your kids ready for school. And you're homeschooling right now as well. <laughs> we could do a whole podcast on that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but talk about that, like the the outward expression of our faith, not just being consumers of all of this, but literally giving it away and being a safe place for people to come to yeah. um, and to find shade. Yeah, I don't understand a lot about science and math. That's not my area forte, but I I know <laughs> that God made it. Right, it's the homeschooling. I'm, oh man, um, I know everything there is to know about sixth grade science right now. I just I I'm I'm a you're winning. I'm a genius about clouds. <laughs> if you want to know anything about clouds or weather patterns, um, for real, I don't know a lot about math and science, but I know that God made it all, and I know that He's He's while He's mysterious and big and wild, He's also logical. And so I think about shade. I think about this idea of giving what we've got the same way I think about our bodies and the way he's created our bodies. Mm -hmm. And if you eat a lot and you consume a lot and you do not move, you will not be healthy. Yeah. That is a great, great word picture. (laughs) If you just keep putting it in and you don't put any, you know, caloric energy out, Mm -hmm. you are not healthy. And, um, 
again, I want to say my favorite thing about the pillars of the Grove is that they're all meant to happen at all times. Yeah. And we've got a generation of women believing that there is going to be a future season where they're going to use what they've been given. And they were never meant to sit and wait and hold on. Yeah. Um, We are meant to, as soon as we meet Jesus. Yeah step into our ambassadorship yeah. in his kingdom. Yeah. There's I don't know where it came from but it it feels real that so many women are walking around now believing that there's a hierarchy in the kingdom of God and that almost like there's a pattern to how it's supposed to go down that you're supposed to like come in and hang out in the back Mm. and sweep for a few years to earn your keep and then like sit very quietly and watch other people and just consume, consume, consume from the people on the stage and maybe eventually like you'll get called up and you'll get to do that And, and, and that's a pattern of this world and that's not a pattern of this kingdom. Come on. And so number one, in case no one's ever told you, um, you're not supposed to hang out in the back of the room. No. (laughs) When God called you into the kingdom, when he uniquely picked you at just the right time before you would have chosen him, he didn't just call you um, to hang out and sweep in the back. He called you a co-heir of Christ. Yeah. um, A friend of God and an ambassador. And there is no waiting period In the kingdom. Yeah. Like the, as soon as you know him, you get to tell other people about him. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that's dangerous about this pattern of us believing that, you know, we like wait our turn, wait our turn, wait our turn, wait our turn to use our gifts is that we begin to put some false realities and false expectations and false ideal, ideas on what it will look like when we use our gifts. Yes. So we think it always is going to look like a stage. We think it's always going to look really big or exciting or tidy even. Mm -hmm. And what you and I know both and what we are uniquely equipped to say, I want to say this because let's pause right here and say a lot of you are saying like, oh, nice for you to say you get to be on a stage. Like Emily, you get to be on a stage. Nice for you, Jess. You get to write books and be on stages. But here's what we're uniquely equipped to say because we've been on the stage. Yeah. The most vibrant parts of our ministry don't happen on stage. Absolutely. The most life-changing Absolutely. work I do, yes. no one's ever going to know about. Yep. I mean, we, you know, we talk about discipleship. We talk about leading. Guess what? When I disciple someone, I don't put it on Instagram. Yep. Because that would be rude. Mm-hmm. The most beautiful and life-giving exchanges I have that lead people into the kingdom happen sometimes in my kid's bed mm-hmm. when I'm tucking them in. Yep. Or in the car rider line when I've just screamed at them and I have to turn around and apologize yeah. and show them the gospel fleshed out. Or, you know, in back in back rows of churches mm-hmm. where we're talking with women who are struggling, um, the stage is good and and good things happen on it. Yeah. And it's yeah. great. But the the biggest reason we need to stop believing in this world-given pattern of using our gifts is because so many of us have work to do right where we're at, and God has not given us um, 
some kind of holding pattern to mm-hmm. just wait, 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 wait. We're supposed to use what we have right now. Yeah. And we're missing out on the truth that this is this is where the abundant ministry is going to happen in this season yeah. and in the next season mm-hmm. and in the past season. And that's not to say that we're not right, always learning, that we're not always humble, that we're not always letting our gifts be developed and letting our strengths be grown. But I see nothing in God's word about yeah. waiting, yeah. waiting to to share his good news, waiting to share his love, waiting to extend his kindness to other people. And the truth of the matter is our world is just hurting. Mm-hmm. It's just burning right yeah. outside our door. And we have access to hope and healing and life and heaven in our souls. And we get to give it away yeah. through holding babies and baking muffins and being kind and extending, you know, thoughtful words when someone's struggling and making a meal and giving a hug. We get to do all that right here, right now. We're always meant to be providing shade and we're always equipped to do it. Yes. And we're always going to do it wrong a little bit and we're going to have to work on it and apologize and try again. Yeah. But there's not a waiting period, and it's it's not for a later decade. It's for right now. Yeah. What you've been given, go give it. Yes. I say yes and amen to all of that. Yeah. It's so encouraging, and it is. I think it's it might be unique just to American church culture yeah. that this cycle is happening. Um, but we need to break that cycle. Yeah. And I love how you said, you're not made for the back row. Come up to the front. Right. We all have something to give. I met this a sweet door holder this week at our church, just a woman that serves. And she just pulled me to the t- side and just said, hey, I want you to know that every Sunday when we drive in, my husband and I are praying for every leadership, everybody on leadership in the church by name. Come and on. this is what the Lord said over you today. And I, in that moment, I'm like, that is powerful. She's ministering to me. She doesn't have a microphone. Right. Nobody really knows her name, but she knows her place in yeah. this story of God. And she's yeah. using her life as shade. Even just that words of life is shade. It doesn't have to be this big dramatic thing. Right. It's even just speaking words of life. But I do think a lot of us get that backwards. Yeah. You know, I feel like the best way we can step into this, if I could just encourage women right now, the best way we can step into this is to watch the words we put in our mouth about our gifts and our place and Mm. our season. And for me, this, I noticed that this is one of the most acceptable areas for women to speak death over their own selves. Like, um, you know, I'm just a blank, insert whatever Mm, that is. I'm just a blank. Like, I'm just a mom. I'm just a college student. Um, You know, I'm just a nursery worker. I'm just a secretary. Like, you're not just a anything. Anything. (laughs) You're an apostle. You're an ambassador. You are a light bringer, a hope speaker, a truth teller. You're the hands and feet of Jesus on earth. You're not just anything. Um, and I think this is just one of the 
quickest areas if women are saying like, well, how, where do I start? Mm -hmm. How can I be shade? Um, Can I just encourage you before you even think about the how, can you just start changing your language about the way you speak about yourself and about where God's placed you and what he's doing in and through you? Can you start saying like, I am a world changer. I'm an ambassador of Christ. Mm -hmm. I I am now I'm really regretting not knowing if it's first Peter 2, 9 or second Peter 2, 9. Do you know first Peter 2, 9? It's first, right? I think. I think so. Look it up right now. I'm going to look it up right now. Um, because I, um, you know, I went through that heavy season. I already, just to even flip back to it, I told you I went through that heavy season of just struggling with depression and despair when I was 24. And one of the first things I did was I started reading First Peter 2.9 <laughs> over myself every single day, getting up early, saying it physically out loud over myself in my house. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Let's go on to verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I'm telling you what, if we start right there, even just speaking his words of truth and empowerment over ourselves every single day, the how is going to work itself out. Yep. You're not going to ask anymore how. Mm-hmm. You're going to you're going to ask instead like how do I have enough time? Mm-hmm. There's so much to do. Yes. Um if you just start speaking the truth over who he's made you and where he's placed you, the how really works itself mm-hmm. out. And the who really works itself out. Yes. You start to see like oh there's these people already listening to me. There's these people who I can pray for. There's my barista. There is um, the gal that I work with. There is my neighbor who's walking every morning. Like mm-hmm. the who works yes. itself out. We figure it out. Yeah, And it's not a hierarchy of like big ministry or little ministry. It's no. all ministry. It's all ministry. Because God cares about all of us. And I dare you to pray that prayer of just open my eyes to see today. Yeah. How can I use my life yeah. for your glory, God, today? And and he'll surprise you. He will surprise you. And going back to the, you know, going back to the math thing that I don't really totally understand. Here's the, here's another equation for you. Let's say you're on stage. You were on stage last night. You did an incredible job. I was ministered to. But let's say you're in a room of, you know, 10,000 women and a certain amount of them are going to hear. They're going to have ears to hear. God's going to change their heart. And it's cool. It's going to be a percentage. Mm-hmm. But something happens when one-on-one, Yes, when we minister to our roommates, mm-hmm. our children, our husbands, the gal who wants to meet with us from church, there is almost often a 100% chance of life change, of just yeah. actual, not just life change, but world change. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So it's mathematical. Mm. <laughs> I don't really understand it, but percentages <laughs> feel higher. Yeah. The closer in you are. Yes. There is a a friend of mine who comes to the Grove, and she's never on stage, but um, she comes. She's like, honestly, I I was at church on Sunday. I felt filled up, but I come to sit in the back row so that I can sit by somebody I don't know. And God always surprises me with the one-on-one conversation that happens in the back rows when I get to talk to the person that came with nobody else or is walking through a divorce or is facing some massive circumstance. And she's like, it's, that's my ministry is I get to step in in that moment and just sit and then just ask God, will you bring somebody to me that I can encourage today? Wow. Wow. I I think that's for all of us today, wherever we are, if you're 
driving to work right now or stuck in traffic or you're on a run, um, mm-hmm. just that we would be the kind of women that asks God to open our eyes mm-hmm. for those kinds of opportunities. So mm-hmm. I'm so encouraged by you, Jess. Thanks for taking time to sit down with us and to talk through and share your life very vulnerably with us. Yeah. Um, but we are big fans of you and cheering you on all that God has in your life and what he's doing through your words and your books, through the messages that you're teaching, um, and especially as you're pouring into the local church. So just know we love you and we're for you. And um, thanks for listening today. Thank you so much, Jess, for joining us today. Don't you just love her? If you want to hear more from Jess Connolly or her new book, You Are the Girl for the Job, check out JessConnolly.com. And as always, if you're a lady in the Atlanta area and would like to join us for a Grove gathering, check out passioncitychurch.com slash the Grove or follow us on Instagram at PCC underscore the Grove for everything that's happening around here. And we will catch you next time on the Grove podcast.